Chapter 19. The Great Atlanta Airport. I had a new job, but having never been to New York, I didn't know what to expect in terms of finding housing. My search for the living space that would be a wonderful new home for me, though, was late in getting off the ground. Literally. From our part of the country, there's an old joke about the necessity of changing planes in Atlanta. I used to hear at City Barber in Sugar Hill, doesn't matter if you're going to heaven or hell, you got to change planes in Atlanta. Those who'd flown would obligingly laugh, murmur, and nod approvingly. The rest of us, who had never even been on a plane, could only imagine what an unfathomable, busy, and important place was the Atlanta airport. Apparently, all roads led through ATL. I'd flown a couple of times, once to Houston to a writer's conference and another time all the way to San Francisco, when I decided I needed to get out of Bama for a weekend and see the world just for fun. But that was it. I was basically clueless when it came to most things related to air travel. I figured out the seatbelt part, but I wasn't sure about the life jackets, the exit rows, and the gas mask, or whatever those were, which dropped from the ceiling, looked real funny with a yellow snout you'd wear at a costume party, and some flimsy-looking elastic straps, and about which I remember being told, the bag may not inflate, but oxygen is still flowing. Don't worry. Were they sure of that? The shakedown lines of the metal detectors were unknown entities to me. How did it know the difference in a gun and a belt buckle? I guess it didn't, and that's why most of those places look like folks getting dressed and undressed in a locker room. A little weird, if you ask me. The day I was scheduled to fly from Montgomery to the Big Apple via an obligatory change of planes in Atlanta was a Saturday in September. I'd finished with the advertiser the day before. My farewell party, if you could call it that, was a subdued affair. My office mates were too busy to celebrate. The newspaper business never sleeps. Someone did order in for sharing, in honor of me, some Krispy Kreme donuts and Starbucks coffee, both of which were foreign sights in our newsroom. A few bro hugs and promises to keep in touch, and I was gone. They would mail me my last paycheck, call back and tell them where to send it. The flight from Montgomery to Atlanta was right on time. No drama or worries. I had landed in the almost mythical place called Hartsfield Airport, Atlanta. But when I exited the plane, all heck had broken loose. We walked into the terminal, which was so big it looked at first glance like about 50 football fields put together, at least from what I could see. And suddenly, we were hearing alarms and being shouted at to evacuate the building. They heard us downstairs, out the building, and onto the tarmac in the hot September sun, where we waited for news and further instructions. Neither was forthcoming. Finally, after three hours in the sun, we got the news, along with the all-clear, to resume our journeys. Turned out, that a crazed college football fan had suddenly realized that he would be late for the kickoff in Knoxville. So he hurried around people in line and bolted through security and ran to his gate. How he got past those guys with guns and menacing scowls, I'll never know, but he did. 
I guess in his temporary insanity, he figured he would get on the plane, find his seat, and take off before anyone found him. By then, it would be too late to bring the plane back, right? He obviously hadn't flown much. Besides needing to know that this breach of security would shut down all flights, he himself would be a hunted man in an enclosed space. It might have looked to me like a space equal to at least 50 football fields, but a deranged Vols fan running through the Atlanta airport adorned in bright orange from head to toe would not be hard to find. They did find him, tackled him, I assume around the ankles from behind, sprawling him out face first, but it may have been a proper form tackle from the front. Handcuffed him, read him his rights, and led him away. I imagine he would end up so far into the jail they'd have to feed him with a slingshot. No telling how or when he would get out of purgatory from paying for his football fandom sin. For the record, he didn't make the UT kickoff against Auburn. The return to normalcy meant that all of us were going back through the security shakedowns. We had no choice. No other way to get to New York at this point. I thought back to my original plan of taking a bus, but how do I get one from Hartsfield? No idea. What a hassle. We were cranky, sweaty, thirsty, and in a foul mood. But at least we could resume our journey, even if it meant rescreening about 10,000 or so passengers. The redeeming part of the whole story was at least the unwise culprit wasn't a Tide or Tigers fan, but a Tennessee volunteer. While our state's fan base was certainly capable of the exact same shenanigans, doing so for the love of team and state, anyone trying that run-through-security move wearing crimson and white or orange and blue would have embarrassed the entire state. It would have been all over the news. Thank God for Rocky Top and for small blessings. 